Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Caregiving Gen X Style. I'm Steve Mullen. And I'm Jennifer Mullen. As much as we may not like it, money is important, obviously. obviously. We all like money. Unfortunately, caregiving can be kind of expensive, actually very expensive. If your loved one doesn't have a lot of money, that cost may then fall to you, the caregiver. In this episode, we'll talk with a guest who will have some advice to help us not to go broke while taking care of our elderly loved ones. But first, Jennifer, how is your mom? I am pleased to report that she is doing really well. For those of you who listened to our last episode, you know that she had a pretty nasty case of COVID, was in the emergency room, had to pull her lifeline, ended up in the emergency room, but came home and my brother and I stayed with her for several days. And um, she's actually doing really well. She She's bounced back great. She's such a trooper. It's the second time she's had a really bad case of COVID and uh, she's come out of it on the other side, uh, smiling as she always does. So one thing I didn't share last week, I just have to share because I was uh, clearing out some photos on my phone today and reminded that, you know, you got to find a little levity when you can when you're in the middle of these situations. And um, I always get a laugh, as does the rest of the family, about how loudly Goggy snores. So, of course, as I was staying with her one night last week, I could not help myself. I had to get video of her snoring. As you know, Steve, I dropped it in the family chat. It was epic. It, right? it was. It I was. Mean, Freight train doesn't quite describe it. It is crazy how loud she snores. She's so, not and, a big woman. She's not. Uh, so, of course, I got another chuckle out of that again today. I can laugh about it because I know she's doing well and feeling much better. And um, I can laugh about it. And she's pretty good natured. She knows that uh, we like to poke a little fun at her <laughs> about how loud she snores. But you were so. trying to work from home from her apartment I during was. that, which made it very difficult. It was it was a little challenging. Thankfully, I wasn't on any calls. If I had, <laughs> if I had been, I would have had to take my laptop in the other room. Right. But it was a little bit. I'm sitting there trying to work and trying to think, and then these like massive snores would come <laughs> out of her. So that was that's always fun, and I think the kids love it too. They got they got oh, a good, they, do. they got a good chuckle out of it. So, uh, Steve, how is your mom? Uh, she's doing good. A uh, little funny story from a few weeks ago. Uh, I went over there and. She asked me to strip the sheets off her bed and remake her bed. Don't even ask why I'm doing this and not the CNAs. It's a long story, but we won't get into that. I was pulling up her blanket, and she said, oh, that reminds me, Susie, who's one of the, her favorite CNAs. Susie had asked me where I got that blanket from, and I was trying to remember. And I said, well, I really have no idea. She said, no, I think it came from Grant's. I said, no, mom, it didn't come from <laughs> no. Grant's. Grant's is a department store from where she grew up in Pennsylvania that closed down, I think, in 1981, 1982. It definitely wasn't that. And then she said, oh, I think I know where. What's that store that has the Target symbol out front? <laughs> I said, Target? That's it. <laughs> and, and, and she was so happy. But, I mean, she was so close yeah. to figuring out on her own. Well, she did kind of figure she it out, did. I guess. She did. And, and I, you know, these are the things that kind of remind me. She does have a dementia diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, little things like that. For the most part, she's pretty sharp. 
But little things like that that make me remember, oh, that's right. You know, she does have some memory issues. That's it. What is that? That reminds me of Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah. It's from Charlie Brown from the Charlie Brown Christmas special when she's trying to figure out what his uh, his diagnosis diagnosis is. is. And she says, I can't remember what the one, but he says, that's it. And she bowls over. It was very much like that, actually. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Steve, we all know in healthcare, um, healthcare in the United States is very expensive. Whether your loved one has Medicare, Medicaid, or you know private insurance, the costs can be absolutely enormous. So if you're taking care of an elderly loved one and they don't have much money, that could definitely be disastrous for you, the Gen Xer who is hoping to someday retire. And we all hope to someday I retire. So. I hope so. We do. Our guest for this episode has some advice to keep us from going into debt while caregiving. She is Daleen Higgins from Elevate Finances. She's a personal finance advisor based in Utah who also has her own podcast called Wealthy After 40 that's aimed at helping us Gen Xers eventually get to retire. Yes, I'd like to be wealthy after 40. <laughs> we should listen. <laughs> Daylene, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. I'm excited to be here and chat. So first off, you are a Gen Xer, and yes. uh, which is great because we, we have had guests who were not, and I sometimes feel like I have to point that out, which is a little rude, but you are a Gen Xer, <laughs> and uh, you did have your own caregiving journey. Do you mind telling us about it? Yeah, so I took care of my mother and my father. I was I was the one available who lived uh, within about a seven-minute drive of their home and um, so started helping them towards the end, you know, with their assistance of driving them to the doctors because neither one is driving now and, you know, picking up medications for them, picking up, you know, food for them because they forgot something or didn't have – my brother did grocery shopping. And my dad was really the caregiver – Um, in the moments of my mom having received her dementia diagnosis. And he, we, I was supporting him in that role. He had glaucoma, so he was nearly blind. And being able to help him get the the medications to my mom, he couldn't see inside a pillbox because it was white. And he's just like, what if I don't get them all? So I would go over every day and set them in two different areas because we had to hide the one because, you know, mom forgot she didn't take it or that she already took him when she would take him again. So we had the strategy. I'd go over six days a week. My sister went over on Sunday and we did this for about a couple years. And then my dad fell, which um, ultimately was uh, heart related. He was in heart failure, broke his back. And three weeks later, he was gone. Wow. Oh. And so caregiving for him, other than my support role, but he literally he was, you know, vacuuming the house, cleaning up the kitchen taking care of laundry, like he literally was doing it all. And then we lose him. And so my mom is in this, you know, dementia, which have when you lose a loved one, the dementia person, they can excel more quickly into that level of, you know, dementia and stuff. So my mom, you know, she kind of forgot him, but then she remembered him. But we were all um, willing to step in and take a role of 24 hour shift. So some of us, we did it in 24 hours consecutively, others took two different shifts, but we were able to take care of my mom. Now I took care of all of the finances and making sure the medications were full, making sure that they had enough from the pharmacy and, but it worked really well. And we were able to care for her for just about 14 months. Uh, She actually passed on her birthday. So Um, I love that for her. I love, I don't get as sad on my dad's birthday. I get sad on my mom's. I don't, it's her birthday, death date kind of Mm. together. It's kind of this, I don't know. It's, I just love it for her and it's been great for us. 
And so, yeah, we lost her in 21. So I have been on the flip side of it, but enjoyed my journey in reflection and grateful for that. And yeah, caring for them. Luckily, they did have money. So I just wanted to share that they had done really well and prepared, but yet it took some management on my part at the end as well, uh, as some of the kids are still thinking that mom and dad are giving handouts and, you know, it's just not the way it worked at the point that we were starting, you know, having to provide some more care. Well, I want to, I want to ask you about your podcast actually in just, in just a moment, Daylene, but I, I just want to touch on something that you just said, which I do think is really important to remember. And we talked about it briefly before we started um, this interview with you, but I love that you said that you were grateful for the time that you had with them and um, always trying to remember, you know, the positive moments in the, in the middle of all that. And, and it, that's, that's kind of like my story about my mom snoring really loudly, which just makes me laugh. And I know that it is yeah. going to forever make me laugh when I think about it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, really trying to appreciate those moments when you are in the middle of it. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, we I, I know there was a point my mom ended up forgetting all of us siblings, except for my oldest sister, she was not the oldest. Um, and so it was a little difficult to to take that role and trade and stuff. But yet, uh, there was several times that she stuck her tongue out at me because I don't know why I was made to be the one to make her do things. And then she'd get upset. She'd stick her tongue out at me. And the first time she did it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did that to you, too. So fair, <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough, you know, and just rolling with the punches and realizing that it, it really was just such a an honor to take care of her. And another thing that got me through was remembering that she's safe, secure and happy. So we took care of her in her home. We all went to her home. We left her in there, although she forgot that that was her home where she raised her family. But neither here nor there. It was comfortable. She knew how to get around. And so she always wanted to go home. She wanted, I think, one of her childhood homes. Um, but I just told her, I said, no, we need to be here tomorrow when the next people come to take care of you. And she stuck her tongue out at me. I'm like, okay. And she storms <laughs> off to bed. It's like 6.30 p.m., you know? So I call my sister and I'm like, well, she's safe and secure, but she's not happy at the moment. She'll wake up happy tomorrow. And so recognizing some of those achievements along the way as well is like, what are you doing for them in that moment and not thinking how horrible this is either. So, yeah. and, I, and I really hope um, that that most people who are listening to this show, I mean, we've always talked about how caregiving, the caregiving journey eventually ends. That's just life. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, it happened with my mm -hmm. father. I mean, uh, we've talked about it in the show. He passed away in 2001 after fighting cancer for a couple of years. And, and you know, I was angry for a while. I was sad for a while. And, yeah. and now yeah. I look back at it. Well, at least I had that time with him. But let's move on. So your podcast is called Wealthy After 40. What's it all about? It's all about personal finances. So savings, paying off debt, getting ready for retirement. I also love bringing on guests who fit the Gen X uh, challenges, obviously, such as, you know, caregiving, um, being stuck the sandwich generations. We still got kids we're helping to raise uh, support, whatever it may be, and just getting ourselves ready. And so I just try to cover all of that that will impact us Gen Xers, whether, you know, usually 99% of what we do is focused around money. So any tie I can give into that. Um, and help support listeners on their journey um, over 40 as we're progressing to our next phase of retirement. And hopefully we can enjoy it. And that's really my goal is having everybody prepared and ready to enjoy that next phase. 
Yeah. I, I think we're hoping to enjoy it someday. Yes, I, we really I are. can't wait to take a listen to it for sure. <laughs> um, so our topic for this show is trying to avoid going broke or going into debt while helping to take care of your elderly family member. What is your number one piece of advice on that topic? The number one piece of advice I'm going to say is to set some boundaries. So you may find yourself in the role before you're able to set some boundaries, but if you're not there yet, hopefully this will spark some ideas. And what I mean by setting boundaries is knowing what you can and are willing. And if you have a partner or spouse with that, they need to be included in that as well as to if your parent or parents need financial support, can you do it? How much can you do it? And, you know, deciding what that is, because I think that's important to have that resolved before you head into it. We all want to help families and provide for them and support them. And, you know, it is different with uh, parents to, you know, want them to feel comfortable. They did so much for you. So I can fill that pole. But yet I don't think that we should sacrifice our future to nil. And I'm going to say that, you know, to that extreme, you know, to support our parents. But yet, if you're able to, and you're wanting to and willing to, I think you, you can set those boundaries of I'm willing to be able to do this or support you in this. Um, but sometimes we may not know if our parents are financially sound, because the generation raising us Gen Xers, talked about money a whole lot less than we talk about money. Mm -hmm. um, so to take on that first conversation of approaching your parents, um, I, sh I gave this piece of advice the other day. And I said, rather than going to your parent and say, well, do you have money to take care of yourself? You know, you can approach them and say, does the person who needs to know at the time that we need to provide care, know what they need to do and where all of that information is just to kind of get that conversation going on more of a general because if they haven't thought about, I need to get, you know, power of attorney, power of all those things, and then hopefully a will or a trust in place that that will get them thinking about it. And um, letting that person and that person is the executor know what they need to do. And then um, hopefully they're more willing to start open up and talking about it. And then you can kind of start, you know, going into these sections of our, do you have money to provide for your care? What do you want your care to look like? I think that's really important. What are their wishes? What are their desires? And then, you know, trying to fit that with the money that they have, but also knowing what you're able and willing to do and immediately set those boundaries. And if they're still able, that you can set the boundaries with them. Well, I'm sorry, or, oh, great, I can do, you know, however you want to approach that. That's really good advice. Yeah, it reminds me of a lot of conversations we've had on this show before about just trying to figure out the best way to approach some of these difficult conversations. So I like the way that you just sort of laid that out. That's a really good, a good way to do it. Now, Steve and I aren't really in this situation at all. We'll, we'll preface this next question with that. But we know that often, frequently, caregivers, you know, become sort of the sole breadwinner, maybe not only for their own family, but also for their aging parents, right? They've Maybe those conversations that you just talked about haven't happened. And now they're in mm -hmm. a situation where they are having to care for their aging parents. How much damage can that do to 
our, right? So our generation, if, if that happens to someone in our generation, how much damage does that do to our future retirement plans? Gosh. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully you're prepared. And like I said, with the boundaries, hopefully you know what extra you have to give. And what I mean by that is hopefully you're already saving for retirement and putting away and that that portion and percentage is not where you need to pull from. But in a sense, if you're nearing the end, if you did have to, I don't, I don't think it would do as much damage because you've had all the years up to now. And it's going to continue to grow whether you're putting into it or not. Thankful for that. But yet, if you can, as quickly as you can, get back to adding to that. So allowing yourself to not, you know, and I don't want to say to not let you achieve your dream, because I think there's different levels of those dreams and things that life happens that makes us change. And so being prepared for a shift um, from savings to supporting a caregiver. Um, but sometimes that caregiving can last for many years. And that's mm-hmm. the other aspect you need to think about. As we were caring for my mom, you know, and going through it, and it really we took it by day by day, week by week. And I would look at my sister and I'm like, oh my gosh, some days I felt like I could keep going for years. And other days I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a lot because, you know, you just care for them so much. And then remembering a neighbor of hers, they took care of a mother for 10 years with dementia. Wow. So, you know, yeah. So th- I just want to throw that out there and say, you know, be careful in your committing of that long term. Um, and, you know, trying to, you know, maybe pausing. I like, I love to use the word pause because it doesn't mean end. It means I am just not having it right now. And so if you have to pause it, maybe to help them through a certain amount of time, or if you can say to them, all right, this will help us get this far. Like that would be something definitely to consider. Um, And depending on how well you've done prior to that, I think depends on the damage you would do at that time. Right. Right. Well, it reminds me a little too, like when Steve and I have spoken with our financial advisor and we're, you know, talking about, you know, our kids and paying for their college and, you know, balancing out what can we realistically put away in their five two nines for all their years and, and, you know, also still plan for our retirement. Right. So, and it's the same mm-hmm. thing. I think when you're caring for someone on the other side of the sandwich, it's the same thing. You have to think yes. about what you, what you have left uh, how, how you're setting yourself up for success while also still caring for your loved one. And I will say, I think, you know, our moms are in very different situations. My mom is on a very limited income, which also means she has access to a lot of resources. And and mm-hmm. my brother and I, you know, t- try to help support with, with finding those resources. And of course, we pitch in when we need to pitch in, obviously. Uh, Steve's mom was in a different situation. Steve's father left her in a, in a um, pretty good financial situation. But Steve, you definitely talked to your mother's financial advisor when we were picking out the assisted living facility for her. It was, okay, you could live in like the Mac Daddy assisted living facility, but it's only going to last for X number of sure, years. Sure, sure. And I mean, that's yeah. an example of, I mean, my, like I, like Jennifer said, my mother has, you know, she's, she's in good shape, but we really had to, when she was moving into assisted living, which really was kind of a necessity, she needed help. We couldn't give it in our home. So we had to look at, okay, how long can she live at this place? And I think we, you know, we figured out when she moved, it was 13 years, maybe a little more of her investments went really well. 
and we figured, you know, at that point, she's maybe by that time, years old. She would, you know, yeah. she was 80, I think 81 or 81. 82 when yeah. she moved in. Yeah. She's 83 now. She'll be 93. She may need a different kind of care at that point. Yes. But we don't know. And, and, you know, we'll just have to deal with that when we get there, because I don't know that there were too many other choices that would have worked for her. Yep. Yep. What about parents who do have some money, like we were talking about, but are terrible at budgeting, which my mother actually has a bit of a problem with, but <laughs> therefore are frequently asking their money to tide them over, which their my children. mother doesn't do. They're asking their children to tide asking them their over. children, yeah. rather. <laughs> How do you put a stop to that? You know, I, I love to say to, because this can go on the flip side with adult children or even teenage children, right? Well, what is the necessities? You've got all the necessities. So, you know, kind of, kind of gearing them back to that. You have food, you have shelter, you have all of those things. Like, what do you need this extra for? And almost turn it back on to them to um, say, yes, I need it because of, and really explain themselves and not saying that with that explanation that you'll change your mind, but I think it helps them maybe start being more aware, you know, as we've gone through the years and, you know, not talked about money and talking about money now, like managing money was never a school subject. Uh, we weren't taught it unless we were taught from our parents. And if we were taught from our parents, it may or may not been, you know, wise advice. So I think just letting them know that uh, you could even say, I have a budget and I'm only allowed to spend this much on, you know, these things. And then, you know, if I'm going to give you more, it's cutting and taking away from me in these areas. And I think especially with parents, if you kind of explain it that way and say, hey, if I give you this money, it's going to take away from this. Or if you're willing to give it for the one time, hey, I can give it to you this time. But otherwise, you know, I don't have the extra next month because of these types of things. And really just being uh, forward with the situation as you exactly have it and you can see it. And then hopefully they'll return on their side of it and go, oh, yeah, you know what? I really don't need that. Or, hey, okay, I think I have half the money or I can wait till next month and have half the money. Really start opening that dialogue to allow for, you know, better conversations and that willingness to say, see, you just don't need it or I'm sorry, I can't support you. So I hope that helps somebody is really t trying to talk in what it is you're going to quote lose. And I think as a parent, most parents, I know not all parents, they will be like, oh, I don't want my child to miss out on that. But I think that's a good way to kind of strategically approach them and let them know. Or if you want to nip it in the bud and say, I can give you to this one time, but then I'm done after that. Right. And we talked about emergencies in the last episode. But so it sounds like what you're saying, you know, with these parents who were never very good at budgeting, maybe be a little impulsive or whatever. It sounds like you're trying to teach them almost after the fact how to budget their money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's never too, it's never too late to learn. Um, I think it's important to help them. And I think it's also wise for you to protect yourself. I mean, we want to do anything and everything we can for our parents. But does that mean we need to lose, you know, the roof over our head or anything like that? There's some things where we could pause as well. I have a guest who um, I recorded with her. She's coming up in February on my podcast. And she, I believe, is like in her early 30s. And she ended up being the caregiver for her grandmother. 
and she spent all of her savings to do oh, it. Gosh. Oh my goodness. And yeah, and and luckily she does have age on her side, right? Being young, but yet I think this is definitely a subject that we need to talk more about. We need to start realizing like we can't just, well, number one, we can't just live on social security. I'm going to be point blank with that. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be saving for retirement and other means. And then within retirement comes a whole slew of expenses. So as my mom had passed and we had gone through, well, as we were going through the care, so there's seven children, one does not live in state. So there were six of us supporting her, you know, the entire week, 24-7, we actually did hire um, a caregiver to come in and do two of the shifts to kind of cover that seventh child. But as I'm going through this and as I'm making the schedule and trying to help everybody find the day that works best for them, I think I only have one child. And I immediately thought, there is no way she can do this on her own. Mm -hmm. So instantly, I have to start considering financially more to be able to have her so like you guys do to be able to pay people right to put me in a nice place to make it convenient that way because she physically could not do it there's just no way there's just no way so um i ended up so not to say that this is advice i would give everybody but i ended up buying myself a long-term care insurance policy mm -hmm. and i just told her i said i will try to have all the money you need to make the wise decisions you need to at the point I get dementia, because I've already just resolved myself to that, which is fine. But you know, it's like thinking about the expenses within retirement and as we age, um, and what that's how that's going to affect our, our children and our grandchildren. And these are, I mean, they really are difficult things, I think, to think about much the same way. So we've we've done an episode, you know, about planning when it comes to things like, you know, wills and medical directives and all those things. And those are difficult conversations to have with your elderly loved ones. You know, I put this really in the same category. It's a bit of a difficult conversation because to your point earlier, Daylene, like, you know, money, sometimes it's a taboo conversation in general, but one that is very needed and hopefully you can figure out ways to talk about it that don't seem super invasive and allow, you know, the other person to to recognize that you're really you're you're both trying to plan for your best interest. Let's talk about a different situation now. Some of us are helping to care for, you know, loved ones who are in pretty good shape financially, so that's we used Steve and, and his mom as an as an example. Um, one thing I know that the two of you talked about when we were prepping for this show was that sometimes there are other families who might see a situation like that, a parent who's in really good financial uh, shape, and try to get some of that money now. So how do you stop that? Yeah, so... I'm just going to share a little bit of the example of my family because my parents, uh, not that they were well, well to do. Luckily, my dad had a pension. It continued to come in. But yet, uh, care could definitely have out, you know, exceeded that. So they did have their savings and stuff. Plus, we had the home. But yet, um, family would come to them. So this is before my dad passed. And we were like, we need things for this and this and this. And at the time, my dad was getting a new roof on his house. And I finally just had to say, uh, no, you know, and I do have that uh, personality, I've grown into it, that I can just go and say no, because 
we don't know what extended expenses are going to be like. And you guys see these numbers and yes, mom and dad are doing really well, but um, it, it even goes to like Steve's situation where he's like, his mom is set pretty good, but what if she lives till she's a hundred, you right. know, or 105, which I go to a senior care facility once a month and may she's 102. And so it's like, helping them understand the impact as well, I think is important, but it definitely can be very, very difficult. So hopefully, I just want to caveat this, hopefully the one who was chosen as an executor uh, can stand up and speak for their parents, even if their parents are still there. Just kind of open their eyes to the fact that we don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know how much care we're going to have to bring in or how much care is going to have to be, you know, within the facility, extra, you know, things that are added on top of that. And also I'm sure facilities with inflation are, their costs are rising naturally over the years as well. And so helping them recognize the fact that we've got a distance to go and you're going to have to figure it out because if mom and dad weren't here, you got to figure it out anyways. Yeah. And I want to touch on something you said in the middle of that too, just related to sort of like your personality and how you've grown into it. And and you, uh, you know, sort of had no problem saying no, like, can't do this right now. One of my very good uh, childhood friends actually lost both of her parents um, about three months apart from each other. And there are four, there are four girls. And it was really interesting to me. And one of the conversations I was having with my friend, after her mother died, her mother was the second one to die. All four of those girls have very different personalities. My friend is a nurse. So she was the one who was tasked with the medical directive, you know, all all of the medical decisions that had to be made. And unfortunately, a difficult decision did have to be made for her mom who was in a car accident. And that was a decision that was made beforehand. And then one of her other sisters is married to a financial advisor. And so she was the one who the decision had been made beforehand that she, you know, she was going to make all the financial decisions. And I thought that was actually really interesting. You know, that, especially if you have families, and it sounds like you, Daylene, I mean, goodness, one of seven, you know, there is a little bit of um, added... Uh, I don't know that luxury is really the right word, but maybe to to think about each each person in your family, what their personalities are, and ultimately what their strengths will be when those tough decisions have to be made. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, luckily with my parents, we didn't have to make those hard decisions. Uh, I know with my sister-in-law, that decision had to be made as well. And yeah, not easy. But yeah, to be able to support the role. So I ended up having power of everything. They, my parents didn't split it, which I've seen some situations where the splitting of it, like you were talking about, they kind of clash. And well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay for that care. Well, I've decided this care. And so, you know, I don't know how I feel about that other than, you know, I guess it can, ha- it can work out just as well. But as I, as I was, you know, going through my role as well, I luckily, my parents told all of my siblings, I was the executor. And so they kind of primed it in that situation. But even to the very end, because after, you know, 14 months, I had two siblings that were like, we just can't do this anymore. Um, And we feel this way and this way and this way. And we had already decided not to. And even in that moment, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if they do? And my sister said to me, so I did have a lot of backing and a lot of support. And my sister said to me, 
well, you're the one that gets the ultimate decision. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I do. <laughs> but so even though I do have that personality, it only came out when very, very necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I, I think back to when my my mother was the one who told me, oh, we're going to have you be in charge. I thought it would be my oldest brother, right? That's just natural part for the course. And I think, why are you choosing me, six of seven, so I'm near the baby, and I'm like, how did you know? And so, but nobody ever balked it. And I loved how they primed everybody for it because as we started heading down the road, really everybody was was pretty good. Couple of bumbles, but everybody was really good. And yeah, the personalities are so important. I was grateful for my support. I had my sister I could immediately turn to so we can make different plans and decide different things. And then another sister who would just, and a brother who would just do, they're like, just tell us what to do, you know, and just having that. So, you know, it's, it's not easy and it can be very difficult. I was also the one who was in charge of reimbursing. So my brother, like I said, was doing the grocery shopping and he's like, how do you want to do this? I'm like, well, are you okay to swing it for a month? And then I write you one check, you know, or, and so that's kind of how we did and worked it out. And I think that's, what's important too, is like, if there is that financial covering, I guess is what you can call it, um, that you make sure with them, like if he was like, no, I need a check every week, I could have done him one every week, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But just trying to work together, and make sure all of those things come together in the best interest of basically your mom and or your dad. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you absolutely, you don't want to be fighting over money, right? You hear those like Mm -hmm. horror stories of families fighting over money, and you definitely don't want to be doing that. So I'm, I'm, happy for you that it seemed like, uh, for the most part, it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing with that. You know, you mentioned uh, about, you know, the power of attorney and the the financial stuff. It's funny, my mother uh, designated me as her power of attorney for basically everything after my father died. So that was, you know, 2001. At that point, I'm 31 years old. And I said, yeah, okay. I I don't know what this means. But thanks. Thanks for letting me know. And, And she got some really good advice to do that. And let me tell you, 20 some years later, it has come in handy so many times, not just, I mean, helping her manage her money, helping her manage literally everything. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about those kind of documents down the road with a, uh, you know, an elder law person. But let's talk about desperation mode, because I would imagine it can get to that point very quickly in certain circumstances. So. For example, you've used up all of your savings, like you did mention about that person you were talking to on your on your show, uh, paying for medical bills, living situation, everything. You only make so much money on your own if you have to dip into something else. I mean, we're talking desperation time. Where do you look? Mm-hmm. We're, we're thinking kids' college funds, 401ks, home equity. Where do you think is the best place to go in that emergency? Uh, you know, probably... My choice, so thinking of the options you gave me, and my choice, I would choose home equity. Because if, number one, I don't love 401k loans. Um, and if you did pull money out of 401, you're going to have the penalty and taxes as well. So thinking that way. And secondly, um, setting your kids up for future success, I think is key. So that's another reason why I did not choose that. Um, Although maybe that would be a backup to the home equity. So, you know, that's probably where I would turn and very carefully determining, you know, the amount and moving forward and what that looked like. 
The other thing to consider, and so when my dad ended up on hospice, he was only uh, home for on hospice for three days. My, my brother was in immediate scarcity mode. Uh, I think it was a lot of everything about the, the situation, right? This is our very first time. We brought our dad basically home to um, pass away, which he did three days later. But my brother was like, so can we just get... Um, I, I, can't, I can't even remember what he said. I think he said like Medicare pay for everything. And I know with that, like all assets have to be depleted. Now, if your uh, loved one maybe has some assets that they could deplete first, I would maybe suggest that, you know, except for, cause I'm thinking, well, number one, I knew financially my father was okay. My mother and that we could care for them for a certain expen- you know, amount of time because we had this pension coming out every single month besides the savings that they had just done so well to live on. Yes, we did have the equity in the home, but we were also living in the home with them or that's where we were caring for them. So, you know, if like my mother-in-law, when she's still living, she's the only, the last one living and she's already in that situation. And I think it will just kind of like that she's got a reverse mortgage that I think it'll just fall to that she'll be kind of a state dependent because she has nothing, you know, divorced for 30 plus years and has no savings, didn't work. Um, all of that things kind of lends to that. So there are some options out there. Um, but yeah, if you're stuck with that as a family, you need to provide for your parents. I would probably go with home equity. All right. Well, we're going to end it on that. Dane and Higgins, thanks so much for being on the show. Tell us again about your podcast, where people can find it, and if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yes, yeah, so Wealthy After 40, it's on all the listening uh, platforms. So whatever your favorite one is, Apple, iHeart, Spotify, we're all over there. And then uh, if you want to connect, I'm over on Instagram at elevate underscore finances, and you can send me a DM with any questions. I'd love to connect. Wonderful. Daylene, thank you so much for joining us. Money is is just always a tricky topic. And it's it's particularly tricky in these kinds of situations. We appreciate you sort of walking through all of these different scenarios with us. We hope for those of you listening out there, we hope there were some good tips in here and some things for you to think about. And if you have the opportunity to, to talk with your elderly loved ones and have these conversations now, we uh, highly encourage you to do that. So Daylene, thank you again so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks so much to everyone for listening to this episode. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we do read listener emails on the show. If you have a question, a comment, inquiry, whatever, you can email us caregivinggenxstyle at gmail.com. You can send us a text, leave a voicemail at 804-723-1221. And you can also find us on Twitter. The handle is at genxcaregiving. And As always, we are on Facebook. Just search for the name of the podcast and you'll find us there. We hope to hear from you soon. Have a great day. Good night, everyone.